Our scripture this morning comes from the book of John, uh, chapter 12, verses 20 through 36. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowds that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Let's take a look at the scriptures together. Uh, This is what I want to do today as we go go into this text. I want to talk about light, the image of light that Christ uses, that he appropriates here in, uh, in this text. You know, he's done it before. We're going to kind of open that up a little bit. I just want to open it up and investigate light. And then I want to ask some questions about what sort of light he's talking about. And I'm hoping we'll, 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 we'll uncover some stuff about how we can walk in the light. Uh, he uses light as a life-giving light. There's a moral dimension to his light. There's an intellectual dimension to his light. There's a, there's a navigating... Anyway, we'll look at all that. And then finally... I want to ask the question, or answer the question, hopefully, or begin to, what does it mean for us to be infected with that light, to become sons of light, at the, as, as, it, as he ends there in that, uh, in that, in that, in that passage. So uh, light, light, and, and I, you know, let's start right away. This kind of metaphor, I would hope, and I would imagine, I would think, I, I suspect, is something you guys are all fairly familiar with. This is not, this is not rocket science. <laughs> this is not that unusual. It's not that unusual of an image, but I wanna, we're going to per- try to pierce a little more deeply. In, in our Western culture, light almost always has a reason, reason attached to it. Mental, mental ability, mental thinking. Uh, what do we call in our history, in the last four or 500 years, yeah, when we all got smarter, <laughs> when we all started using reason instead of faith, actually, that's what they're talking about. And they call that the enlightenment, right? That's how we use the concept of light, enlightenment. Uh, so today, I'm hoping perhaps a light will go on for you. you know, so I'm going to use a lot of light metaphors and puns and stuff like that and images 
So, um, uh, and I know you're all kind of dim. You guys see, you see, I see, I'm already working in, but I'm hoping we're going to increase the, increase the lumens, right? Let's get, let's get us, let's get some light in this place. Let's shed some light on the subject. Let's think about it. He says light. Now, I want you to think about this in just a couple ways. Just, the, just I want you to first see just how ancient this is. This is the psalmist cry, right? Thy word. How many remember the thy uh, word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path? I know in the King James version from that song. And, and, and so when they hear light, and he says, uh, says things about light, those Old Testament, they would have known this. And even us, many of you as Christians, if you've grown up in the Christian world, will recognize that first verse. It's very famous. This is the idea of light as informative. But I'll tell you, even there, even there, light in the Bible has more depth to it. But how does Christ talk about light? Because he uses it a lot. And he uses light in a funny way. All right, imagine it's like a little flashlight here. Oh, I can, oh I, actually, I can use my phone, can't I? I've got a props. Where are my props? Well, you know I'm talking about. Uh, there's a light on this phone, right? And I can bother anybody with it. Now, what he's saying, what, what Christ is saying in this Matthew 6, 23, is that whatever you use to see in the dark, I'm going to look at my book bag here. If I'm using this light, I can see. But he wants you to think bigger than that. And, and light is deeper than that. It's like whatever you use to understand your world, that's your light. You get it? Like, let's say you're, let's say you're a, a practical person. And you're like, you know what? It's all about getting things done and going out there and getting stuff done for yourself. You got to do it for yourself because nobody else is going to do it for you. Well, if you believe that and you live like that, that is a form of light to you. You use it to navigate your world, to understand things. Oh, that's why he didn't help me. He, remember, people don't help me. I have to do everything myself. And the, everything you think in the world is all seen through your light. And what Christ is saying is if you have taken an item of darkness and made it your light, oh, how great's your darkness. <laughs> because you're living, in, you know, you're living in a different world. And then in John, in the book of John already, which we're in, light has been referred to in two key times. In their opening chapter, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness is not undercoming. And then again, in John 8, we get one of Christ's I am sayings. Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Christ is using this. So around the gate, one of the things I want to tease out of this and work on with it is uh, for our, our help, I hope, is for us to think about what our light sources are. Blank, fill in the blank, will explain and solve my problems. All of the world's light is, is all here. This is what people say. What will explain and solve my problems? That's your light. Is it reason? Is it your ability to think, to understand, to understand your world, to understand physics, to understand uh, anything. If I have it in my head, I can conquer it. Reason will explain and solve my problems. Experience, the school of hard knocks, that's my teacher. It will explain and solve my problems if I lay attention and learn. Science, I'll science anything. You ever heard that kind of expression? I can science anything. What is it saying? Science will explain and solve our problems. Tech, of course, tech presents itself. And the great hope is maybe AI will think for Peter. Peter, well, we don't need Peter working there at SFSU, working postdoc, stuff like that, because we'll have computers learning. He, he can relax. 
Tech will plain and solve all of Peter's problems. Social programs. No, oh, that's what, this is, this is a big one here. Maybe the Marxist revolution too. <laughs> this is San Francisco, right? What's going to solve our problems? An $8 billion budget <laughs> for a city. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, what will explain is education. This is one of the classic ones. This is probably the deepest one in our culture. Because we are always, why are we always redoing the educational system in America? Why? Because they keep thinking if we do it better, it'll solve our problems. It will explain, we'll be able to see and understand and solve our problems. And finally, the American cry, what the world needs, what everybody finally needs to explain and solve their problems is what? Choices and freedom. If those are your light, how great is your darkness? Can you ferret in your own heart? What do you, what do you trust? What's your go-to? What's your go-to? Because you need to identify those things if you're going to start turning to Christ and his light and turning to him and having him uh, be what guides you, well, how you understand your world and how you understand yourself, how you understand what you ought to do and how you ought to live. Yes, there's no hope here. Now there's information here. There's parts and pieces of the great puzzle, right? It's not like truth. Uh, all this truth is God's truth. It all belongs to him. But each one of them, apart from Christ, is powerless. All the world's light equals what? Powerful darkness. Did I go back? Oh, this is for, uh, this is for me. Um, I, I, a man that I love, he's an, he was a, an art, art history person. Art history. He actually referred me to this this week. Guy was, I met with Guy for breakfast, and he said this painting, when he saw it in Rome, had one of the biggest effects on him, the calling of Matthew. It's Caravaggio. Why am I attracted to this right now? Because of the light. He uses light magnificently. Light is coming, but it's coming from behind Jesus. But is it behind Jesus? Because Peter casts no shadow. Where is this light coming from? Do you see Christ's hand? What does his hand look like? What does that gesture look like? By Where have you seen that gesture of a hand reaching across like that? Anybody? Caravaggio's favorite teacher, Michelangelo. And Michelangelo, God and man in the Sistine Chapel. Where's, by the way, what is, what is, what is Matthew's hand doing? It's not, it's not reaching out for Jesus. What's it doing? Who, me? Are you talking to those guys? <laughs> Interesting, right? So there's all these plays on Michelangelo. He's doing this intentionally. But the light... The light that's shining, they don't care about it. They seem kind of bewildered. He seems aggressive. This is Peter talking to him. But the light, you see Christ's halo? It's just at the edge of the light. What's casting the shadow? It's a door. What did Christ call himself? I am the door. You see, Caravaggio is playing with all the motifs that Christ adopts for his personhood so you can understand him, so you can understand how Christ works in the world, who he truly is. And how, how, how he operates. He brings light. Life-giving, transforming, powerful, moral, beautifying light. And of course, uh, by the way, in the story, it happens through a window. So Caravaggio puts a window in it, even though this is not as accurate. It doesn't matter. This is a symbolism here that we're supposed to richly see. These men care nothing in their obsession with wealth. Oh, by the way, Matthew's other hand is on coins. He's got a coin in one hand. Pointing with the other, we know what he loves. God is about to call him. Christ is about to call him, and he becomes one of the disciples. You notice they're in finery too. They're in this wonderful 18th century, 17th century finery. 
They're dressed like uh, peasants. They're dressed like people from Palestine. They are, Christ moves eternally into the Dutch world, into the Italian world, I'm sorry, of, of the uh, 17th century. And, and that's what Caravaggio is saying. His, his message is still eternal. One more point. You see that angle coming down with the light and the shadow? That's an eternal line of perspective. They were all trained to see perspective, right? To, 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 to read perspective out from an eternal point. That is what he's saying. Who's at the center of the eternal point? Matthew is. Matthew's at the center. Why? <laughs> Caravaggio knows he's at the center of God's love. So are we. So are we. So are you. Caravaggio is preaching gospel light to you. Can you hear it? Do you know Christ? Have you turned to him? Like Matthew, or are you busy going, I think this sermon's for the person next to me. <laughs> Just like the painting. This is an image of light. Now, where does this light shine? Where does it burn most brightly? Where does it burn most brightly? Where shall we see it? Where shall it grow incandescent? In Christ's words first. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. His words are light. Words come out of his very speaking. Uh, of course they do. Light comes out of his very speaking. <laughs> words come out of his speaking is redundant. But there's light coming out of his mouth. Where else do we see? Where else does he shine with light? On the cross. As he dies as a, as a, as a sacrifice for sin, he is revealing burning light. What? The light of an eternal love for you and for me. An eternal sacrifice is burning and it's light by which you can understand yourself and the world. Oh, and finally, what's the final place he is light is, uh, is, is in his person. His, he not only is what he do, does light, he is, he, what does he say? I am the light of the world. So uh, what I want to do now, so I kind of want to open, start opening this up. I hope you see it first. He is, first of all, life-giving light. What kind of light is this? The light that brings life. Uh, it's, it's the light of the sun, right? This is sunlight, for lack of a... And, and, and there's a picture here. Uh, did you guys ever take sun baths when you were... Do you ever have a sun bath? This is a big thing. When, uh, I know that in, in Scandinavian countries they do it, for example. You take the baby out and you put him out in the sun for an hour. So you get his vitamin. It's all... I don't know if it's true or not. But it's, so you get his vitamins or something. There's a vitamin you only get in sunlight. Which one it is? Like, vitamin D. And... Uh, and so, you know, and so, and there's this picture of light, and, but you see it. What kind of, what, where is the life-giving light in this text? What is it? What does this light bring? The light that he tells him to walk in. It brings eternal life. It's a life that bears fruit. It's a revelation of glory. Yes, this is a light that gives life. I remember driving into Rome. This is so long ago, I can't remember what context, but I remember the sunflower fields. They make sunflowers all over and sunflower fields. And if you drive in the morning, I remember driving by in the morning and you couldn't see the sunflowers because the sunrise, they were, they were, they were to the, uh, just to the east of the road. So they were, they were pointing towards the sunrise, but I didn't know this. And then I'm driving in the road that night, uh, 10,000 sunflowers had turned to the sun. They follow the sun as it goes across the sky. And so you look at it, and all of a sudden there's a field of sun. All of them look. This is what Christ is. 
Look upon his word, his sacrifice, and his person, and you can have life. Learning to bathe in Christ. Look at that little sun bath. What do you think? Look, that, what do you think meditating on Christ, reading his words, and reading about the cross is about? It's, it's a little sun bath. Oh, yeah. Just, just reading it. Just, I'm, we, I know you think I'm crazy about this. Just reading it gives you light. Hey, well, I, I, this is what the scriptures do. Uh, Robin, Robin, I went to see Robin this week, and, and he's, he's struggling with, that's what I want to talk to you about. It's Melody, that's what I want to talk to you about. So he's struggling with hallucinations, and the hallucinations are getting so bad, they're getting physical, and he feels like darkness is scratching him and pushing on him. The doctors have no idea what to do, and I just, I'm sitting there in despair. I begin to cry. I'm sitting in his room, and I, you know, I, I decided I'm going to read Ephesians 6 to him. I read through it once. He said, I can feel the darkness going away. I started to cry, and I read it again. Why? Christ and his words, Christ and his love, Christ and his sacrifice, Christ himself is what? Life-giving light. That's why it's written, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and what? Let Christ shine on you. What is Christ the fulfillment of? The ironic blessing that the, in numbers that they were supposed to give to the people of Israel. The I am bless you and keep you. The I am make his what? Face shine on you. The I am lift up his face on you and give you peace and tell you again and again, Christ is life-giving light. Why does it teach us to walk? Get to Christ. I, I want to tell you, just get to Christ. Just get to his feet. You don't have to understand anything. And, and, and the people you love in your life, just get them to him too. You know, don't, you don't have to be clever. You don't, have to be, you don't have to have good answers. Just get them to Jesus. He's light. Life giving light. Not you, not me. <laughs> well, we'll see. There's life trickling out there. There's also life busting out the seams at the end. But first, this life giving light I want us to have an excitement about. And we become the little, little sunbathers, as it were, in his light. Amen. What, what else about this light do we, can we learn? What else? Can, what else is, is, he's telling us this light's among you for a little while. By the way, that's true for all of you. I'm sorry, you're only in this world for a while. You have a window. That's what he's talking about. You have a window. They had a window with him. They'll have a window at, at other times too. While you have the light today, I'm talking. There's light in this room. Not just those lights. There's light coming out of me. Right now, what do you have? You have a chance to believe into the light. What is so beautiful about this love giving light is it's welcoming. It's inviting, isn't it? It's come on in light. It's life. It's wonderful. All right, so uh, 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 I think I've made my point. It is also instructive light. It's not merely light that, 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 that by virtue of its power gives life. No, it's, an, it's, it's a light. The, it's, it's like a map light. You ever have map reading lights in your car? You hit that little button, you get a little spotlight right over what you need, right where you are, so you can navigate the world. And what is Christ telling? What are we learning in this text? That everything's backwards in the kingdom. It looks, this is the hour, is Jesus' death hour, but what is it also? The hour of glory. This is the death of the corn of wheat, but what also? It's the condition of that, of that, of that wheat's fruitfulness. Whoever hates his life will what? Will preserve it. The follower to the death is what? Will be, or be Jesus says, in glory. The hour of the soul-troubling moment is also what? The hour of glorification. The hour of judgment is also what? The hour of exaltation. What is that exaltation? Well, how's Christ lifted up? He isn't lifted up into glory, is he? He is lifted on 
a Roman spike, a cross. Do you see how everything's flipped? What kind of light does Christ give us? It's a new light that explains the internal workings of the world of God and his kingdom. You see, his directions, the navigating of his kingdom, the map, the topography of his world is different. And you can look at, you go to work, and you'll go to work, and you will go to work this week. And they're going to tell you, you're going to feel like you're dying at times, or that you're loving your life, or that you're hating it. Anybody, any takers on this? Anybody, anybody living here? Anybody? And it, you would say to yourself, as committed as I am to Christ in the gospel, Chris, that seems like it's more death. And what's Christ promising you over and over again? Don't believe that. Live and see by my light. Because my light is a map light that will tell you the real journey you're on. Because sometimes the journey looks like you're going down, doesn't it? When in reality, if you could see the way Christ could see it, if you have his light, you'll realize you're on the way up. It all looks backwards. You need the light to be able to tell that. And without that light, what happens to Christian life? It gets confusing, doesn't it? Doesn't Christian life seem kind of confusing sometimes? And you're like, I thought God was for me. Why am I so depressed? <laughs> or I thought this was going to be a easy... Why, why is it like this? Ah, but we begin to... Ro a roadmap that Christ gives us sheds a lot of light, doesn't it? It makes a lot of sense. What other kind of light is it? It's a light of, it's a light of understanding of a new roadmap. It's a light that gives life. But it's also a light that has a moral power. Look at this. What does it say? If anyone serves me, what he, he must what? Follow me. And in fact, what they must they do? They must bear much fruit. You see, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a consequence. This light is a moral light. It, is, it, it creates moral power. It gives moral instruction. What sort of moral instruction? All right, this is where I come to the end of myself. I'm serious. I, I, I took this quote from Bruner because I, I thought he said it so much better than I can. What is this new moral standard in principle? I can only interpret Jesus' intentional hyperbole, that you must hate your life, to mean this. The person who dies to the supremacy of his or her own self-preservation and advancement at all costs, that is dying to yourself. Isn't that beautiful? Because what are we, what are we taught in this world? Self-preservation and advancement at all costs. That's, the only moral th that's your only moral code in this. You know you're morally successful if you have, at all costs, pursued success. But what is Christ saying? The person who dies to that supremacy. Oh, we keep reading. A preservation and advancement that are usually law number one for human beings. Yet Jesus says we are only to hate our lives, quote, in this world. In this fallen, messed up, other hurting, self-seeking, rebellious world. I think we could translate Jesus in this way. If one hates the way life is lived in this world, in its consummately selfish way and in our own culpable involvement in that way, then one will, by living counterculturally, preserve one's life into a deep, lasting, eternal life. Listen to this a paraphrase of Augustine. If you want to keep your soul safe forever, you have to hate it for a time. <laughs> Amen. All right. What is this light? Tell How do you walk in this light? How do you walk? What is this? What is, what, what is the nature of this light? Um, uh, the scriptures are giving us one of the prime. Yeah, uh, I, I'll give you. I'll give you an example here. Um, this, is, this is kind of fun. We're meeting with a couple. I was meeting with a couple, and 
they were excited. They had been reading Tim Keller's uh, book on the meaning of marriage. They were kind of excited about it. I don't know if you've read it, it's very good. And he was excitedly telling me that he was telling his wife that she had to submit. And that's what, that's what the book said. She's kind of sitting there kind of nodding a little bit painfully and like, like looking at me for help or something. And then he says, and I'm called to sacrifice. I sacrifice, you submit. I said, can we, can, we, can we get a little time out for a second? That's not really what Ephesians 5 is saying. It's saying that she is called to submit to you sacrificing your life for her. Oh. And then if he goes, oh, and then she goes, well, that makes a whole lot more sense. <laughs> and it's this moment like, oh, well, I could buy that. What's, what's happening there? What's happening there? What's happening there? You all know that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, right? And what's the second greatest commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. What does love look like in this world? What does it look like to love each other? Let me tell you a principle of light. Uh, you are called to give up your rights, your privileges, and your goals, ambitions, and your self-advancement for another person. I don't care who they are. That's love. Christ is teaching us. Why? How do we know that's love? Because that's how he loved you. He said, I will surrender my throne. I will surrender my person. I'll surrender my blood. I will surrender my life. Mm. And as he shows us what love is, he's inviting us to live it. Now, why is this so important? All right, here, guys, I want to give you a new moral principle. I've been wondering, how do I love people in the world? You love people in the world by giving up your privileges and your power and your prerogatives for them. Because they can't make any sense of that, for one thing. But something else is happening here. This is what I call a light switch. I want you, how many of you, when you go into a room, you, you turn on a light? Uh, every one of us, right? You go into a light, you, you hit a switch. You don't even think about it, right? Flip, flip. I mean, you wouldn't, how many of you know exactly where the light switch is without even reaching for it? You always know. And then when somebody moves that switch, it's really irritating. How many, for years, I remember reaching into one room and going, oh, that's right, we moved that stupid switch, right? I want you to get a habit. Wherever you, every context, you go into a meeting room, you're going to a room for a client, you're going to a room for sales. I don't care what the room is. I don't care if the room's your office or the lavatory or the coffee or, or, or a conference room. I guess the lavatory would be kind of hard to figure it out. But I want you to flip on this light to ask yourself, how can I die to myself for this person? That is your, that's the switch. Let me give you an example of how God just taught me this just recently. And Peter and I, I shared it with Peter. I have, I, I get more angry at people taking my parking spaces than I can possibly. And for some reason, if it's a space that they're just getting into and I'm coming up, it's still mine. <laughs> Do you ever have that when you've been looking for a space for a while and somebody gets one and you realize if you had just turned the corner five seconds earlier, that would have been your space? But somehow you'd, you'd already been by it three times and now somehow it's open and other person, get, and all, they took your space. That's the way I feel. It's, this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. Hey, Chris, what if I love that person so much I'm giving them the best spaces? Are you okay with that? Mm. Are you willing to rejoice in that? No, I'm not. Oh, yes. When I flip the white switch on and Christ's light's shining, what happens? 
I think you figured it. It changes. It changes. We must die to self. Those are the first three kinds of light. Life-giving, uh, instructive, informative about the roadmap of the world, uh, the roadmap of his kingdom. Final, the, the third part, light, is that it's a, a light, a more light, force light. What kind of light is it? It's an exposing light. It's like a searchlight. How many of you have said in your folly, because I've said it in my folly, gee, if I seen Jesus do one of those fancy tricks, I would have followed him. Every one of you have thought that. If I had seen one of those amazing tricks, I would have followed him. No, you wouldn't. Let's take a look at the light and walk in the light. What does the light tell us? They heard a voice from heaven. A week later, they were shouting, crucify him. They heard a voice from heaven. What did they say about that voice from heaven? Hey, I think that was an angel. I think it sounded like thunder. I always wondered what that, I wonder what, did you hear that? That was like a, a megaphone. I don't even know what a megaphone is yet because it hasn't been invented. The point being is, is these, absurd, these absurd interactions with the power of God are what? What are they doing? This light exposes. What is it exposing? It doesn't matter what evidence you have. Your heart is against God until it is turned and changed by his beauty. That's the way we are. It's an exposing light. It shows the internal heart. It shows who we really are. And the reality is the reason we have hated God and turned against him is not because we didn't believe, not because it wasn't proved to us. It was because we wanted to do things the way we wanted to do them. And we wanted to live life the way we wanted to live it. And it wouldn't matter if I were to say, Father, speak now. For an unbeliever in this room would just go, oh, they, that sound system was pretty cool. They must have set that up. You will always find an explanation to get out of, your more, out of your being exposed for what you really are. For the light exposes everything. It's an exposing light. What other kinds of light is it? It's also a beautifying light. Hmm. I want you to see this. We're going to go to be with him. You see that? My servant will be also. If anyone serves me, what, what, what's going to happen? God's going to honor you. What kind of a light is this? What sort of light is this? You know what this is? This is the best light. What am I talking about? Uh, photographers, I've been told, I'm not one, are always looking for the best light. Apparently, the best light happens right around twilight. Like right as the sun is setting, the, the, the colors get kind of yellow, the yellow light. Apparently, that's when the best light is. And if you can capture the best light, and you'll see them when they're out doing photo shoots, they're trying to create the best light. Oh, why? Why? Well, now it's funny when we see those things and we, when we see, this is another way of talking about hating yourself. When we see beautiful things, we see a beautiful model that says had the perfect light. We hate the way we look, right? We hate that. What does God's light do? It makes him beautiful and draws us in. It's, it's this weird, it's, it's this drawing light. It's the light that, 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 that says, I'm going to honor you and take care. I'm going to put, and, we're, and we can see it. If we can see him in the best light, now we understand why he says, if you don't hate your life, you get it? Because you never hate your life as much or hate the way you look as much when you see a beautiful person. The picture's been taken perfectly, right? But the point is, perfection makes you hate yourself. Ugh. That's the picture of hating your life. What's his light? It's beautifying. It's making him, it's exposing his beauty for you to draw you to him. 
It is a good light, isn't it? Finally, uh, it is a comforting light. I, uh, it's the light of comfort. It's the light of comfort in his, as he's conquering. Look, look in verse 30. The voice has come from your own sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. This is the comforting, conquering light. What light is this and how do we walk in it? We walk in it with confidence and new joy. What are we supposed to constantly walk in? You are in his victory. You are captured in his victory. You are caught up. His victory is yours. And you will, you will be honored. You will give an eternal life. And there's this idea that of, of us, of us be, and, and of, of our enemy, the devil, being destroyed. All right, that's light for you and me. That's the light of comfort and hope, of conquering light as you feel bewildered and, and suffocated and, and, and shut down and trampled by the world, right? What do you need? You need some victory light. It's firework light, right? It's the kind of light that you look up and you go, that's beautiful. It's, it's the light of victory. It's the light that comforts and brings comfort. It's like a nightlight at night. What's the nightlight at night for? Because it's, the dark can be scary. We need his word, his presence in the cross present to us so we can be transformed into his light. Why? I really hesitate to put this next slide up there, but I'm going to do it anyway. So uh, put out your heart light. Do you guys remember this? Who sang that stupid song? I can't even remember that. Oh, is it Neil Diamond? Was it? Yeah, Neil Diamond. Thank you. I need somebody my age to remember that. Uh, put out your heart light. <laughs> Isn't it funny, though, that in the imagination of Spielberg about a future hope for humanity, because the future hope for humanity for many people is what? E.T. You think that's a joke? Most people, that's their hope. Someday we'll find life, or it'll find us, and we'll find meaning, we'll find hope. But isn't it interesting that Spielberg's vision of an alien that can bring healing in life is what? Full of light. He has a heart light. He heals with light. What, how does the text end, guys? You can become what? Sons of light. And what happens now? What happens now? Then you are called now, Frankie, to be a light for her. A light that shows her the conquering love of Christ, his comfort, exposes sin. It gives her, it gives her a moral compass, gives her life. You are to be... Jenna, you're to be light to him. You're to be light to Barrett. You're to be light to one. You're, and I'm to be light to you. And you're supposed to go in the And now, all of a sudden, this wonderful way, Christ's light, and it, 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 it invades, it infects, and it begins to radiate and bump out. And we all become people revealing the love of God, revealing his comfort, revealing his rescue, revealing, him, revealing his moral actions in the world, revealing his kingdom and that new map. We become light bearers, you know? And so, and the hope of E.T. is in a sense, and the way Spielberg is understanding is really the hope of the Bible. Isn't that funny? It's the hope of the Bible that we're transformed and we're agents of healing in the world. The healing of the gospel. That's what I want to be. That's what I want. That, isn't that what we want First Press to be? Isn't that what we wanted to be together for each other and for this city? May it be so. Awake, asleep, arise from the dead and let Christ shine on you. Let's pray. Father, I love you.
I love how you shone in the darkness, <laughs> in the darkness of my heart. And I knew who you were. I remember when I knew who you, when I realized who you were. I remember it, even though I was a child, I remember it. I knew who you were. And I, you, draw, you drew us into the light. You knew who each one of us was. You drew us with your beautiful, wonderful light. Father, uh, I pray that that light would pierce the darkness all around us. It would pierce the darkness that we see in the morning, that we see in the street corner, that we see in the mission, that we see in our neighborhoods, that we see downtown, that we see right out here on the street, right out here on the block. Pierce, Father, the light, the darkness with your light. Let your light shine on men. I, I pray we pray for resurrection light for San Francisco, for the Castro, for, for every part, for the marina, for every part of the city, every part, Father. I pray there wouldn't be a corner <laughs> that remains dark. Not for a season, Father. Let's do that. Help us to follow your moral light at times, to, to learn, teach us how to die. I don't know how to die to myself. Holding on so hard to my own rights, my own responsibilities, my own privileges, my own prerogatives. Uh, but we can be set free by that light, <laughs> that healing light. Father, uh, we, we pray for this and more. I pray for anybody who's confused that the confusion would, would melt away. I pray for anybody who hasn't come to you that they come to you fully now. I pray for anybody who's been kind of toying with the darkness and using the darkness to, to live would give up that foolishness. And I would give it up too. All of us together would glorify you. <laughs> In Jesus' name, amen.